0: Interviewing as a technique of gaining information is as old as humankind. Talking to people as a form of scientific inquiry about their experiences is fun, but also a methodological, moral and theoretical challenge. In the past decades, oral history has become a widely used research method in different disciplines. Given that oral history is a technique, and The Way of Constructing Histories, this series of podcasts tries to offer an overview of different ways of how to construct information and how to analyze it in a wider methodological context. This podcast is designed for those who want to use interviewing as a method of collecting empirical material. It consists of eight sections. The first one is discussing oral history developments, basically the historiography. The second one is analyzing the politics of oral history, who are those who are using interviewing for political reasons. The third one is connecting the social and personal level. The fourth one is discussing ethical and legal dimensions. The fifth one is about practicalities, what to do, how to do, what not to do. The next one is discussing questions and questioning. The seventh one is discussing narrativity, as oral history is using narratives and to understand stories. And the last one, the eighth one, is about interpretation, how to analyze oral history, what are the limits and the possibilities. Every podcast is around 20 minutes each. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will find this podcast series useful. is the introductory talk about what does it mean oral history and what can we do with this. right? And uh, uh, this, for this discussion, I would like to start with this quote about interviews. Because if you think about oral history, you will immediately think about interviews. So we have to start and ground our discussion about what an interview is. So here is this uh, uh, definition about interview, and I would like to elaborate this particular, on, this elabor- on this particular quote. So the quote says, in order to understand other person's constructions of reality, we should do well to ask them and to ask them in such a way that they can tell us in terms rather than those imposed rigidly a priori by ourselves and in-depth, which addresses the rich content that is is the substance of their meanings. So if we unpack this quote, we basically have the definition of an interview. So uh, we do want to understand other person's constructions of reality. We will never understand the reality, but we will look at the constructions of the reality. And the way how we are actually getting access to this meaning-making process is that we are actually asking the interviewees. We are asking them, but of course the tricky question is, how do you ask them? Right? So they ask them in such a way that they can tell us in terms, rather than those imposed rigidly and a priori by ourselves. It means that we have to Ask those questions, not influenced by our a priori knowledge, but trying to ask a question which is actually opening up space for the interviewee to try to reconceptualize, reconsider, reflect on his or her particular position, and to talk about that particular experience. So we should not be asking questions which are imposing certain categories, interpretations, facts on the interviewee. So, when you are asking a question, did you like that particular event, that's a very bad question because it's a yes or no question and it is already influencing the content. It is about liking and the interviewee immediately starts thinking about that I should be liking, so it's a yes or no, is it a good answer, is it a bad answer, right? So therefore, the open question is really a, a major issue in, uh, in interviewing. Uh, because it offers open ways of conceptualizing the terms and also in depth, which addresses the rich content. So the rich content is basically what an interview is aiming for that you have got a thick description, which is this term which is coming from um, uh, the anthropology and sociology, the rich content that is the substance of their meaning. So this is a meaning-making process, a construction of the reality, which depends on your open question, uh, which doesn't influence by certain a priori meanings, and which is actually inviting a very rich story from the interviewee right so this definition of the uh, uh, interview uh, of course doesn't always uh, the, it doesn't always about the oral history interviews because there are lots of different types of interviews so if you look at this particular um, slide you will see that uh, basically there are structured interviews Uh, standardized interviews, clinical history-taking interviews, focus or semi-structured interviews, and unstructured interviews. So what are the differences, and where do you put oral history in this particular chart of interviews? Because if you are going into the supermarket and somebody is asking you, will you buy this product, and you are saying no, that's already an interview. Right, but this is not an oral history interview. Right, the oral history interview is, if you look at this chart, is an unstructured interview, which is starting with a particular question. Right, uh, there are structured interviews, which you know I already mentioned, like this uh, uh, surveys or uh, certain polls. Uh, there are semi-structured interviews like the survey interviews or group interviews. Uh, the group interviews, we will have a, uh, when we are talking about the questions and the how to raise questions, we will talk about the group interviews when you have got this very particular group dynamics you have to take into consideration when you are doing an oral history interview, because this is not a one-to-one discussion, but you have got the inside dynamics of the the group as well. And there are the unstructured interviews, uh, which um, uh, are basically structured by the questions, but the questions are always responding to the stories which had been told by the interviewee. When you are looking at the uh, different types of interviews, oral history interviews are basically coming with a set of questions, but these questions are always dependent and they are always in relation to the different responses which are coming from the interviewees. So it's a kind of loop, it's a kind of reflection, and that's why oral history is such a really powerful tool. Uh, when we are thinking about what oral history is, when we are trying to uh, define what is this particular phenomenon, and this is not easy because there are several schools and several uh, approaches, this is my approach to, to oral history that we are actually trying to answer to this particular question, which is who speaks what, in which channel, to whom, with what effect. So basically, you are responding to these five questions, this deciding who speaks, and this is your decision when you are inviting somebody to be an interviewee for your project. What? What is the content? Uh, in which channel, so in, in what ways this is um, uh, uh, discussed, to whom, because you have to also reflect on your position as an interviewee and with what kind of effect. So what is the impact of this particular project? Because when you are asking somebody to reflect on his or her particular experience in the past, when this reflection is happening, this has got a long-term impact on the individual's life. Just think about sensitive issues. Let me give you an example from my Interviews when I interviewed women who were raped by the Red Army soldiers, and they never talked about this in public, and this was the first time when they were you know, coming out as rape victims, and it has a serious impact on their future lives. Right? Uh, so who speaks what, in which channel, to whom, with what kind of effect? Right? These are the issues what you really have to take into consideration. And let me give you an example. In the 1970s, when the first survey was uh, done in Hungary about sexual habits of the youngsters, uh, when they were evaluating the interviews, they found out that in a particular region of Hungary, the percentage of virgins turned to be uh, disproportionately high. And they were wondering what's happening in this particular region. And they recognized that all these interviews were made by the same person, who was a tall, pale, male person wearing a dark suit and a dark tie, who was actually approaching this women, age of sixteen, asking, Are you a virgin? <laughs> and if you are, you know, this is a story which is actually, you know explaining you why these questions are important so you because it actually influences the outcome and it influences the whole project that what you will get from this particular uh, oral history uh, uh, story and of course uh, they had to re-interview all those uh, young women who were interviewed by this uh, gentleman who you know could have been an excellent interviewer in another context and when you are thinking about your own projects Please also think about your position, right? When you are responding to this particular question. So, when you are preparing for your own project, this is the first step. Think about these particular questions, right? Okay. So, oral history um, lots of historians, lots of anthropologists, lots of sociologists, they all mean different things by oral history. So I would, when I was, I'm mentioning oral history, I'm mentioning these three different elements. And because we are talking about three different issues, that's why it's so complex and sometimes you know, uh, they are all mingling together. So oral history is a specific form of discourse. It is the narrative of the past, and it's a medium of expression. So because all these three elements are present at the same time, they all require different types of theorizing. And you also see that this is very much an interdisciplinary, rather a transdisciplinary approach to the past. So let's start from the last one, because that's the easiest one, right? oral history. Right? So it means that these stories are actually orally transmitted stories. So you are basically dealing with sounds and noises, sometimes you know noises. And uh, this medium of expression needs to be recorded. And that requires certain technical skills. And we will be talking about the technicality, how to record uh, these sounds and what to do with them. But basically, these stories are orally transmitted stories. It means that it's a narrative. It means that you need to have all these stories and narratives analyzed. So it's a narrative of the past. So all these narrative and, uh, um, analysis and all this narratology and discourse analysis, they all come very useful to you when you are talking about oral history. So it's also a, form, a, a different form of analyzing the content. And it's a very specific discourse, because you have to take into consideration that how it is actually being constructed, that you are asking questions at the moment, asking the interviewee to reflect on his or her past, and that actually is an unrepeatable unique event. Never ever you will get the same story from the same person again. So this is a pretty unique element of oral history that it cannot be repeated. So this is once in a lifetime moment. I don't want to you know, shock you when you are going out to do your field work, but your every interview is once in a lifetime experience. No matter if you, are, if you have decided to do a project when you are interviewing a person, let's say, uh, three or four times, every interview will be different. Every interview will open up a very different world. So oral history is a discourse, it's a narrative, and it's also a medium of expression. right? Why oral history is um, so popular? Uh, this is a numerous class. Lots of people are doing interviews for their MA theses. There are several oral history projects. If uh, on the on the Moodle you see several links, uh, I actually uploaded for different uh, uh, oral history, digital oral history projects. So why oral history is a promise? Why, what 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 does it offer to you? First of all, it's a scientific instrument. It's a scientific instrument uh, to create new knowledge, uh, to find answers to questions uh, which are otherwise, you know, you cannot really ask or you cannot, you know, uh, uh, find the answers. Uh, it's a possibility of appointing ordinary people as subjects of social change. So you can actually move, from this elitist, top-down approach towards scientific knowledge and you can actually talk about those people who are otherwise non-visible because of the politics of knowledge production. It means that you have got several possibilities to choose those interviewees who otherwise would say, why are you interested in my life? I'm just a simple dot, dot, dot. Right? And then through those life stories, you can actually conceptualize and, and, uh, uh, and talk about the important political issues. You can talk about marginality, the constructions of marginality. You can you know, uh, look at different uh, issues related to that. Uh, so these uh, ordinary people as subjects of social change talks about the concept of agency. So this, the two, issues, two important terms about um, uh, oral history are subjectivity and agency. And we will be talking during this uh, uh, course about these two concepts separately. And um, uh, the concept of singular universe, which is uh, uh, this concept of uh, Sartre used by Densin and Lincoln, that When you are interviewing a person, you are are talking to a person, but that person is already representing a certain social, cultural and political context. So, in a sense, oral history is able to do, when it is nicely done, something which is really the dream of all social scientists, to connect the individual and the social. That's why we have got a class on the individual and the social, because that's really the challenge, how to connect those uh, uh, two perspectives or these interconnections of of different perspectives. So oral history is really an important scientific instrument, which has got a political agenda, and which is actually uh, trying to talk about moving from this um, uh, kind of elitist um, uh, approach to uh, science to the interconnections and on the focusing on the individual experiences. Uh, of course, oral history is not a new thing, in a sense that if you have read the uh, readings for today, you see that orality and the transmission of oral stories have been as long as the Uh, humankind in itself. Uh, But doing oral history in the meaning how I actually talked about in the beginning, like the three interwoven discussions, uh, uh, these are going back to the point when first uh, these interviews had been recorded first with a political agenda and thirdly to analyse those interviews, right? So, of course, several you know interviews had been done. If you uh, look at the different, um, uh, even the court testimonies can be also discussed as uh, as interviews. But here, when you are talking about these three meanings of oral history, uh, that uh, uh, then it goes, it has got basically three phases, roughly. But um, we will. Uh, talk about this um, a little bit uh, later in details, how the oral history as we use now actually developed. So the first phase uh, was um, the beginnings of oral history when they were recording somebody's stories as it was, right? Claiming for the objectivity for events or personalities, saying that if you are giving an oral history interview about yourself being a part of a political march, that's how it was. That's how it happened. You are basically recording a kind of authentic story how it actually has happened. And in the the first phase, oral historians had been sound archivists in the traditional sense of the archive, that they were basically recording stories in order to transcribe and put it into the archive, producing certain archival documents to give an authenticity to the stories. Because as you know, there is this famous saying in, oral his, in history that when you don't have sources, you don't have history. So meaning that if you are producing those stories, you will have a history immediately. So therefore, this uh, uh, this sound archivist phase basically created those missing documents because the uh, (laughs) laboring people, working class, women, uh, men and women of color, they were not producing those documents. Therefore, the archivists came in, interviewed, and then created those documents, which ended up in the archive. So therefore, uh, the sound archivists are, uh, this is the first phase. The second phase is related to the uh, the movement, the second wave of the, uh, the 1968-ish movement, the second wave of the women's movement, when these uh, emerging social groups and social movements are actually uh, informed by a certain emancipatory political agenda, started to collect stories in order to legitimise their political aims. So, producing a certain memory politics, and that is from the 1960s, 1970s. You see that working class archives, it means archives, uh, the different issues related to environmental. Uh, uh, issues they are actually being collected and they are you know this is the beginning of this kind of uh, uh, social uh, groups and there is a connection between activism and academia and the third phase, when you see oral history being an academic discipline, there is an institutionalization, there are certain uh, uh, practices which have been uh, developed and raising certain ethical issues. What can you do with those particular uh, oral history uh, uh, interviews and from the 1980s onwards the research on memory and memory studies which is looking at memory as a mediation and as a construction and as a performance actually changed the way how uh, scholars and activists were looking at these interviews they are no longer looking at these stories as authentic stories, but they were trying to think about these stories as stories of production of certain meaning-making process. So what makes oral history different? Why this? Why oral history is particularly interesting and useful for your projects and that's why I'm so happy that you are doing projects around oral history. First of all because of the researcher, because of you, because what you are actually doing. You are involved in this uh, political project of uh, doing certain uh, topics, certain research which actually will make the difference. Uh, Not only politically, but your questions actually making the meaning. You are actually, with your questions, you are initiating a story. So you are particularly involved in this, in this process. Uh, content analysis, uh, that the way how you are analyzing these um, uh, uh, interviews, they are related to the content analysis. Uh, you are using content analysis very often. The research method that you are positioning as far as class, race, gender, and ethnicity are concerned. So the intersectional approach of looking at the interviewees and also to the project, that looking at how the certain subjects were constructed in relation to the different forms of discrimination, because that's your topic. You are interested in how these subjects were actually constructed. What makes oral history different? The relationship between the events and the meanings. So there are two terms I would like to introduce here, the concept of fabula and the concept of plot. Uh, The concept of fabula is the logical sequence of story. Like you were born, you went to the school, you went to the university, and then you got a job, and then you were fired, then you got another job, and then you got fired. So that's the fabula. Right? But the plot is actually when you are asking the interviewee to talk about this particular fabula. Right? Uh, That how the story material is actually arranged to tell the story. So, for example, to go back to this um, uh, pretty banal example. So when you are interviewing this particular person, tell me about your uh, employment experiences. I'm sure that this person will not start with you know the stories of uh, being fired several times, because nobody wants to be presented as a kind of failure or a bad story. So then you have got this plot which itself is the story of the analysis, story for the analysis. So then uh, if I can refer back to the definitions of oral history, right, then you can basically analyzing. The fabula, the plot, the the whole discussion what is happening during the oral history interviewing process. So we will be talking about this uh, very interesting and complicated relationship between the fabula and the plot during this course, because they are all influenced by different um, uh, structures and different um, uh, political and uh, symbolic uh, uh, factors. But the events and the meanings are those what you can actually uh, discuss and analyze in oral history uh, uh, when you are doing an oral history project. Not the events. You will never know what has happened. But you will know what kind of meaning-making process is actually happening when you are doing the interviewing. Uh, Just to give you an example, there was this um, uh, research project by András Kovács, who is the uh, uh, person at the, who is a faculty member at the uh, Jewish Studies Program, who actually interviewed those uh, politicians who, on the 4th of November 1956, asked for refugee in the Yugoslav embassy in Budapest, Imre Nagy and the other politicians. Uh, And uh, the youngsters who were in, in this group, the children of these politicians, <coughs> they were interviewed about the history of two hours when they learned that they can leave the Yugoslav Embassy until the moment that they recognize that they will be abducted by the Soviets and they will be not getting the free passage to Yugoslavia as they hope, but they will be taken to Romania and this history of two hours had been told by those youngsters who were in the Yugoslav embassy with their parents very differently. Every person remembered differently when they heard the news, what kind of buses were there, what kind of curtain was there. So basically it shows that memory is not a reliable source about facts, but it's a reliable source about the meaning-making process. And with this example, I would like to go for this uh, point about the political agenda. So when you are choosing a project, this is basically taking the side. Because you have got millions, zillions of possibilities to choose a project. But you have chosen one for this particular course, and you have chosen it for a good reason. And this good reason is a political reason because you think that these stories should be told. And that political kind of endeavor, this political uh, kind of uh, involvement, that makes oral history different, because you have a project. You want to influence the public discourse. You want to influence the academic discourse. You want to influence uh, the discussion about a particular topic through involving those who were previously hadn't been involved in this process. And you are doing it through questions, your questions. Therefore, your participation matters. So therefore, I cannot really imagine a better and a more interesting endeavor than doing an oral history project. So I just would like to finish with this note. And uh, uh, if you have got any questions, please feel free to ask.